I think we're ready to get going. Lots of great commotion in the house, and we're anticipating that you are having that much commotion at home as well. Welcome, church fam, to our online platform as well. It's great to have you here today. Everybody have a good week? Yes, we're ready to get going. A couple of things today. Today is day 21 of our days of prayer and fasting. We made it. We got through 21 days. Hey, give yourselves a hand. Thank you for participating. You know, this is what we're believing, is that in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, 14, uh, God communicates this to Israel. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. How many of you are looking for a move of God in your life, right? And the idea is that we come in humility to God and asking him in these days to do something significant and profound, that he would shape our lives, maybe he would shake our lives so that we become more like him. And I'm excited for what 2022 is going to bring to us. I'm anticipating a move of God this year. Are you going to anticipate with me? Because we're excited for what is going to happen. The second thing that I quickly want to share with you is that in two weeks' time, we're going to be launching a brand new series for our church uh, family. In fact, what we are doing with this new series is we are making it a two-month window where we will study together in every Sunday morning, every connect group, every meeting. We want us to wrap ourselves around these moments. And so we're going to be doing this series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And the idea of emotionally healthy spirituality, and this is about our discipleship pathways together, is this. Let's keep that graphic up there if that's okay, because I like that graphic. Pastor James does a great job with our graphics, doesn't he? And, but this is the idea, that you cannot be health, you cannot be healthy in your spirituality if you're emotionally unhealthy. And so we're going to talk through what does this mean. And so this is how it's going to look. We're asking all of our connect groups to pivot to this moment so that we could talk about it. Some of you, you're like, I don't have a connect group. What do I do? Well, I got a couple of options for you as well. You could perhaps meet with a couple of other couples or individuals, depending on your situation, up to six. You have friends. You could be talking this stuff out with friends. If the six is a little bit too big for you as well, I'm sure you could go one-on-one -on -one with somebody. So what we're asking us to do together is to walk through this material, and every single week off of our Sunday mornings, we're going to prepare for you as a church family um, the resources as to what are the things that we should be talking about, what are the questions that we should be taking a look at, and we're really excited. I'm telling you, if you're ready to do a deep dive on yourself, God is about to do something so significant in your life this year, and we are believing for incredible things in this opportunity together. If you have never read the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Cesaro, we're encouraging you in these next two weeks, go to Amazon, go to the Christian bookstore, go to Indigo, pick up this book. I'm telling you, it will be one of those life-changing reads if you will give the diligence to its work. So we're going to do it, emotionally healthy spirituality together. So we'll, we're excited. A couple weeks, we're going to jump into that. Amen? All right, let's get going. So I'm going to do uh, some word association with you to see if you could figure out where I'm going to go. Here we go. Geppetto, Jiminy Cricket, the Blue Fairy. Who am I talking about? Good old Pinocchio. In 1940, this movie kind of hit our screens. 
and everybody fell in love with, the, with Pinocchio, the little marionette made by Geppetto himself. And, and, and this is where that classic song came that we all know when it comes to Disney, When You Wish Upon a Star. Do you remember this song? And Geppetto's wish upon his star was that this marionette made of wooden string would somehow, someday, turn to become a real-life boy. And the story of Pinocchio is a real fascinating one. It actually, it just, it has like a lot of Bible even in it. Did you like the whole Jonah and the whale type of a story or Jonah and the big fish? Uh, even relaxed here. But the blue fairy comes along and, and communicates to, to Pinocchio that he needed to do three things in order to become the boy that she also wanted him to be. That he was supposed to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. And then little Pinocchio decided to one day get caught in this thing called a lie. And what happens, the second thing that the blue fairy wanted for him to do was to remain truthful. But guess what Pinocchio did in that moment? He lied. And then what happened? His nose grew. Do you know somebody who's got a long nose? Don't put your hand up. His nose grew. But this is my question for us today. Is a long nose actually really a bad thing? Let's read the scripture today. And uh, in Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, which is our theme? And there are verses for us today. This is what it reads. It says, Yahweh, Yahweh, the, Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and I'm filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity rebellion and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and their grandchildren. And the entire family is affected, even children in the third and the fourth generations. Will you pray with me as we've read our theme verses again one more time? Father, teach us in these moments again about who you are. Help us to, to throw away the lies that the enemy is thrown at us when it comes to this part of your character. And I also ask that you will help us to become more like you in the things that we're about to talk about this morning. And so we do these things to give you praise, honor, and glory for you alone deserve it. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you for being with us today. Now continue with us as we learn together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. The subject that I would like to speak to us today is... Short nose or long nose? So we're in our series, The Character of God. The very first week, we jumped in to learn about God's original name, his OG name, <laughs> Yahweh. That his name is Yahweh. There's something, I am who I am. I'm the existing one. And last week, we looked at the ideas of compassionate and graciousness, that these are part of the character traits of who God is. And today, we're going to look at a couple more of those pieces, and we're going to talk about today how God is slow to anger, but he is rich in love. There was a quote that I used to open this series by Mark Twain. And it was a little bit of a cheeky quote, if you didn't catch this or not. But it said that God created man in his own image, and, and man, being the gentleman he was, he returned the favor. And it's cheeky, right? Because God made us, and yet somehow, someway, we have made God into what we think of him to be. So here's my question for you today. Have you ever met an angry person before? Anybody? 
right? Have you ever met an angry person? Like, it could be Gordon Ramsay. It could be the Incredible Hulk with his Hulk smash. I mean, have you ever met somebody who has been angry before? Have you ever met anybody who is always angry? I mean, these people exist in our world as well, and we sometimes don't know what to do with it. But that Mark Twain quote has got me thinking with the subject of anger because sometimes I think that we have placed this label of anger upon God. Like we think that God is an angry God. All he wants to do is smite you. How's that for King James Version? He wants to smite you where you are when you make the tiniest of mistakes. But I think sometimes we have framed this idea of God in such a way that is not fully accurate. See, this text of, of being slow to anger comes from the Hebrew word erek apeim, and it literally means, look at it, long of nose. This is describing when somebody gets angry. And so what the Hebrews were really good at with their words is they were basically saying, listen, if you are short-tempered, if you get angry all the time, you have a short of nose. Or perhaps you are hot-nosed. These are the types of things that have been described to people when it comes to their anger. Except when God decides to describe himself, he says that he is long of nose. It's a little bit different than Pinocchio in the context of lying, of course, which we know. Lying is not a good thing. All right, turn to your neighbor, tell him, lying is not a good thing. It's just not because we don't want your nose to grow. <laughs> but when it comes to anger, God is saying this about himself. I am very long of nose. What he is saying is that when you may think that I am going to be quick to come against you, when you think that I could be that angry type of a God who's always got to be in his bonnet, what God is telling you and I today in his word is that he is long-nosed indicating this, that he is very, very patient with you and me. And I don't know about you, but I'm very thankful that God is patient with me. So the question that many of us would, would have is like, so then does God get angry? Like, is God angry? The answer is yes. God gets angry. You know, and then we ask the question, well, is anger not a sin? And the answer is no and yes. And we're going to take a look at what that is for us today. See, we see that anger definitely is a very strong emotion. Anger is a very powerful emotion that happens within all of us and God himself. But we know this about anger, is that anger can be done in a healthy context, and it also could be done in a very unhealthy context context. And we want to investigate that a little bit today as we look at the character of God. The one thought that I really want you to look at today when it comes to anger, I don't know if you're an angry person or not. Have you been angry before? Probably. But this is the thought that I want you to walk away with today. See, anger is and should be a way station, not a destination. A way station is an intermediate step getting to a destination. Anger should never be used as a means of constant living. It's a way station. It's an intermediate stop. And when done healthily, 
it can provide some excellent help for all of us. We know that all anger is um, the result of an object, whether it would be something or someone. We know that anger can shatter communication and it could tear relationships apart. But part of our processing of pain is, is that process. And anger is no exception to the rule. Because oftentimes when anger comes into our life, it is indicating that we have now been hurt by someone or something. And I want us to see today that this is okay. And this is something that is going to happen to us all. Dr. Caroline Leaf, and as well as the PTSD survivor guide on how to handle, or how to handle anger, which is a real thing, this is what they would say. Anger is a normal response. Somebody say normal. Anger is a normal response to something bad happening to you. And what these professionals will indicate is you got to let it come. You got to allow this emotion to work itself within you. But how you work it out matters because you could work it out in a healthy way, but you could also work it out in a very unhealthy way. And not only do you let it come, that you realize that in that moment, you will probably a lot of the times, you will realize if you let it, that your anger is a little bit deeper than you actually had just thought. And that's the interesting piece of anger is that when you begin to dig and when you allow it to come to the surface, you begin to allow things to be taught to your life if you allow it to. Unfortunately, for a lot of us, in our anger, we suppress it. We want to push it down. We want to get it away and as far away from us as we possibly can. But when we suppress our anger, that becomes toxic. And how many of you know when toxic happens, it's not a fun thing for you, especially when it comes to the anger? There are a couple of, and I'll call them reactions, that I see when anger strikes. And notice that I didn't say response reactions, especially in toxicity. The reaction could be that maybe you know somebody who loves their silence. You ever been given the silent treatment by somebody because they've been angry at you? That just absolutely sucks, doesn't it? It hurts when somebody does, but somebody can move to silence. The other one that I see when it comes to a reactionary moment is the person who is short-fused. Have you met this person before? I mean, just anything. You look at them wrong. Bang! Like they're on top of you. Or you put the dish in the wrong place. You don't put the toilet seat down. Like all of these things happen. In our world this last week in, in the um, island of Tonga, I mean, that was an unbelievable eruption that happened in that, in that volcano. But you know what happens when a volcano is ready to do what it does? It means that underneath the surface of the earth, there is this magma that is flowing. And oftentimes, when it comes to our anger, we see compounding effects everywhere. We see magma upon magma beginning to pile up. And then the only thing that that magma can do at the right time in its existence is to do what? Is to erupt. And we have met people who have been very eruptive when it comes to their anger in their lives. Did you know that when it comes to these types of unhealthy anger, there are a lot of things that happen to our lives? Your body actually becomes damaged in, in its physiology. There are chemical reactions that begin to take place when you're anger, when you allow it to rise and take its place. People have been sick because of the constant anger that has happened from strokes, heart attacks, again, 
stuff that we would see from some of these professionals as they communicate to us. Our anger consumes us. In fact, I've met people, myself included at time, who have been controlled by their anger. And oftentimes I find that my anger makes the person enemy-centric, that I'm going to get them. And we think of anger as a place to get our revenge and to strike back. But here's the problem that I see today, is that people justify their anger instead of taking and accepting responsibility for it. Now, this may be you. This may not be you. But we have a problem when we aren't willing to own our anger. Because anger is a really important tool that the God of creation has placed within us as one of those emotions. But it is this moment where people do not want to accept. I'm here to tell us today that you and I, we cannot control how others act and respond in these situations. But we can make changes that need to be made on our part. And that is where we want to move ourselves today. Because there is a way to healthily process our anger. But where anger tends to become a little bit more unhealthy is where then we would look at it as sin. And I said earlier that there is some anger that is not sinful. But then there is anger that becomes sinful. And from a biblical point of view, I'd like to give you a few of those moments today. For those people who are motivated by pride, out of James chapter 1, when you allow your anger to linger, out of Ephesians chapter 4, it becomes sinful. When you attack the wrongdoer, Ephesians 4 again. When you have poisonous speech that comes out of your mouth towards somebody, out of Romans chapter 3, that is sin. When it boils over without restraint, we've got Proverbs 29. The Bible is very clear that we can cross a threshold with our anger and it becomes sinful and very unhealthy for us. Third century philosopher Lactantius said this, The anger of mortals ought to be mortal, for if it is lasting, enmity is strengthened to lasting destruction. Like if we do not deal with this anger properly, we will destroy the people who are around us, let alone ourselves. This quote from a really long time ago holds some weight to it in that we have to be willing to remove the unhealthy places of anger that are in our lives. In the New Testament, we see that there are two words specifically that will handle anger in our lives. The one talks about how it is passion and energy, and the other is that you are agitated and boiling. But please listen. Biblically, anger is God-given energy intended to help us solve problems. I mean, we could look at the scriptures. We could look in the book of Samuel. And we actually see, uh, or actually I'm going to take us to, yeah, we'll stay in Samuel. But we'll talk about how the prophet uh, Nathan approaches King David. And he comes in with a little bit of anger because what King David had done was sinful. And he approaches King David in such a way with his passion and his energy to see restoration be given to King David. 
Jesus in the New Testament. He comes into the temple one day, and this is just before he's about to be crucified. And we all hear the story that he flips some tables and he kind of starts saying some things to the people who are around him. Was Jesus angry at that moment? Yeah, he was actually. He was, uh, he was upset at what was taking place in that moment. And we begin to see the passion and the energy that comes even from Jesus himself. But I want you to know this about God today because the one part that we wrestle with the most is God really angry? I mean, for the most part, his character is going to tell you no. We're going to explore that just a little bit more this morning. But does he get angry? Yeah. But you want to know where God gets angry? God's anger is always in response to evil and nothing less than that. See, it's when God takes a look at the sin and the injustices that are happening in us and around the world, and that's what gets him a little bit upset. And God wants to move in a way that we could see out of James chapter 1, verses 19, where it says that you and I, we must be quick to listen, but we are slow to speak, and we are what? Long-nosed in our approach to people. Even God himself is this for us, and this is our invitation by James himself for you and I as believers today to come in this posture of long nose. It takes God a really, 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 really long time for him to move to his anger. In fact, the word that we see in the Bible that addresses this is this old word called long-suffering. And his long-suffering takes a really, 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 you get the point? Really, really long time for him to get to because of this. Because he doesn't want to move upon his anger the way he wants to. Last week, we talked about his compassion and his grace. And I want us to see today that it is his generous grace to our lives today as to why he takes so long to get there. You see, before ever God acts on his anger, his patience is absolutely greater. And in Romans chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, I want to show you this. It says that since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you could avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and say it with me, and patient God is with you. God is so long-nosed when it comes to his anger because he moves in patience. Like this is his first option for us. Well, what does it mean when God begins to do all that stuff in the Old Testament? Is because those people didn't do this next thing. And it comes to us out of Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32. But if people do not respond to the patience of God 
if people do not respond to his justice. And we need to see justice not as a bad word. The justice of God is a very good thing for you and I today. And we're going to talk about this next week because we love the fact that he loves us and that he's for us and he forgives us. But guess what? God will come and he will move justly upon our wrongdoings as well. And God waits a really long time to actually even get to that point of acting upon that. And it is here where we begin to see that God will at one point, he will give you and I over to the consequences of our actions and our sin. And that's where we begin to see him moving in the way that he does. Romans chapter 1, 28 says this, And since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking, and he let them do the things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless, and they have no mercy. And they know that God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Do you see yourself in those verses? We deserve a lot of things, but God in his great grace and in his patience doesn't put this upon us. But when somebody persists, it says that God will give you over to your own thinking and he will allow you to go down a path. But consequences follow those moments. See, this is the stuff about God that we don't like to talk about. How dare he? I thought he was a loving God. His love is allowing us to walk through the consequences, especially when they're sinful and evil because he wants to pull us back to himself. This is very important for us today. So how do I handle my anger? What do I do with this? Like, if God is exactly this, then what is it about my life that I need to pay attention to? In fact, the phrase in the New Testament is called righteous indignation. This is what happens when it, you have a place of healthy anger because you see something that is not right. It's not set against the character of who God is. It is here where we begin to see other, the evils that are around, the injustices that are around. And I'll tell you right now, I've got good anger in my life, especially when I see injustice. When I see uh, children being mistreated, my, my anger steps in. The injustice, my righteous indignation steps into that moment, and it is a justified anger. But in Ephesians chapter 4 is where I want to land this today. Ephesians chapter 4, I just want to give you four things from a scriptural point of view of how to exchange unhealthy anger, short-nosed anger, to long-nosed anger, which is healthy. The first thing that I want us to see is to, you need to be honest and you need to speak when that happens in your life. In verse 15 and 25, it reads, instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body and his church. 
And verse 25 says, so stop telling lies and let us tell our neighbors the truth for we all are parts of the same body. Folks, in anger, people cannot read your minds, but you need to begin to speak the, the, the truth in love. That is the first thing when it comes to your anger. Are you approaching in a place of truth and love? That's very vital to us. Number two is that in verses 26 and 27, the point is don't let it linger. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So the next thing when it comes to our anger is you got to get rid of it before you go to sleep that night. Like when you are able to process it that way, you let it go. And then you also don't allow the devil to have the foothold in your life. This is that point that anger is supposed to be looked at as a way station not a destination. You don't finish the day, the destination, the end of the day with being still in anger. You finish the day because you've moved on from it and you've dealt with it. Lisa and I do one thing in our relationship is that at nine, about nine o'clock at night, anything significant or important that has to be discussed doesn't happen anymore because we all know that crazy things happen a little bit at night when the faculties are a little bit down, right? And so we never engage in those moments. And if we ever come to those places of anger, we talk about it. And if we can't bring a full resolve even to it, we don't go to bed angry. We say that tomorrow morning we'll get up again and we'll finish and we'll conclude what we needed to discuss. But do not let anger linger in your life. It is detrimental to your life. The third thing that I see out of this Ephesians text is that you have to attack the problem and not the person. It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then it goes on to say, so get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Folks, foul language, abusive language, harsh language has no place at all in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ. It just doesn't. We don't really like to talk about mm, our language. The Bible is actually really clear and pointed on that this stuff should not be happening in our lives. And the last thing that I see out of this Ephesians text is that you are to act, not react when it comes to your anger. Verse 32 specifically says, instead, I want you to be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Folks, if someone has brought injustice against you, let me remind you that you are not the judge God is. Oh, that's sure hard, Sean, because I want to get back at them. I understand, because this is a part of the emotion of anger. But what we're teaching us today, and I can't wait for the message next week, is that God is the God of justice as well. And he will see the moments where you have been pained or you have been hurt. Or maybe you are walking in sinful trails and the consequences have been hard. It's because of God's justice 
because God is holy and who he is. The phrase that we looked at this morning is that he was, he was slow to anger. He was long, in, long of nose in anger, but that he was rich in love, unfailing love. I mostly have spent our time together talking about the anger because we did talk about his love a little bit last week with compassion and graciousness. But there's a real important part of the verse 32 that I hope you caught. And it says that you are to forgive one another. If you do not forgive in your anger, you are stuck. You are going to allow the enemy a foothold to keep digging and to keep building your revenge mechanisms against somebody. But you know what I'm thankful for when it comes to the unfailing love? Is God decided to send his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. Why did he do that? So that we would be, say it with me, forgiven. And yet when it comes to my own anger, I'm going to hold on to it. And yet God has forgiven you. And God has forgiven me. Forgiveness is a key to seeing your anger be released in a healthy way. After all, God forgave you. He forgave me. And who am I to withhold his compassion, his grace, and his unfailing love to somebody else who perhaps has hurt me? Our idea today is that anger needs to be seen as a way station, not a destination. It means that we need to be long of nose as well instead of short of nose, as many of us can be. Because God has forgiven you and I, we need to forgive others. And we need to allow our anger to find its healthy approach again. But do not forget that God is patient with you, with me. So will we be patient long enough with others? Will you pray with me today? Whether you are at home or you are in this room today, you are struggling when it comes to anger. Perhaps you see a little bit of the short nose in yourself. I want you to see that God still loves you. And he will love you by allowing you the opportunity to walk away from the short-nosed. And he's so patient for that. But when we persist, he will give us to our own way of thinking because that's his justice in our lives. And today, I want to have an opportunity to pray with you whether you are again in this room or at home. And you are saying, Sean, when you approach this topic of anger, I struggle just a little bit maybe, or maybe a lot. Will you pray for me today? And if that is you in this place, and the reason why I have all eyes closed is no one needs to look around here, but if you are identifying with this today and you're saying, please pray for me, will you just quickly raise your hand in this place right now? 
and whether you're at line and you can quickly throw it back down. Is there anybody else you're struggling in this world of anger right now? A little bit short-nosed. He sees you and he wants you to move. He wants you to move to him. Jesus, you see the hands that have been raised today and you know where these individuals are. I pray that you would remove the veils from eyes today so that people would see your incredible patience, your incredible way of actually living out anger in a right way. And I pray that, Holy Spirit of God, that you would send incredible wisdom on how to deal with this. And I ask that individuals would take those four thoughts out of Ephesians, would use them, apply them to their lives. And that you would help them to take the short-nosed nature and turn it to a long-nosed nature. I thank you, God, that you are slow to anger with me. And I thank you that you have forgiven me. And I pray if there is anyone else who is also listening today, and maybe we've never understood the forgiveness of God, the fact that Jesus came to this earth to die for my sins. And he died, but he was resurrected so that I would have the opportunity to know that unfailing love. If there is someone who is looking for that today, in you, Jesus, may they submit their life to you. But I give you thanks for your word because your your word speaks truth. And so I thank you today that you are slow to anger and your unfailing love is incredible for us. I ask that you will give us an incredible week walking this stuff out as hard as it may be. Help us to see anger as a way station and not a destination. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are new to Colwood Church this morning and you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to our welcome center where Pastor Josh will be there today. Gives you an opportunity to see him. Make sure that you are signing up to the coldest night of the year, our community engagement. Uh, it's going to be an incredible event that we get to do together. And I, and I pray for us church family that you are long-nosed as you walk out of this room today. Go and understand his unfailing love for you. We love you, and we'll see you next week. Have a good week.